is not a changing of the channel, but it's an expanding of something that we've been on now for over a year. We started out learning to trust God, and then from there we went into a study on honor because there is no greater honor than, than trust. And when it comes to trust and honor, there is this saying that we hear in the world, put your money where your mouth is, right? And so the extent that you trust someone can actually be measured. In other words, if you, know, you say, well, I, I trust you. Well, do you trust, do you, do you trust that person with your checkbook? Do you trust them with your wallet? Do you trust them with the with your car, and, and that doesn't mean you don't trust them just because you don't trust them to drive your car. You know, they may not be a good driver, but, but we see that, that trust then become something tangible, and we see in the scriptures where honoring God is not just something we do with our lips, but it's something that we do with our substance. Honor at, at, at its purest form is, uh, is, is demonstrated with something substantial, all right? And so we're going to talk about giving uh, and receiving this morning, and probably for the next few Sundays, uh, the Lord has been speaking to me about this uh, for some time as it relates to trust and honor, and I've been stockpiling notes, and I've been excited about the day that uh, it was time to share some of these things, and so I feel like that time is now. For the record, we, we haven't left trust behind, we haven't left honor behind, we're still studying these things. Uh, nor have we left the, the case studies that Jesus gave us uh, in Luke, uh, the widow uh, Zarephath and uh, Naaman the Syrian, as people Jesus pointed out to us. Look, basically what Jesus is saying, if you want to understand honor and trust and how it works, look at these two uh, people and, and their lives and, and how all of this played out in their lives. So living, breathing examples. We're not done with that. We'll, we'll circle back around, if not this morning, again in the days ahead. But before we go any further, I just want to, I guess, warn you, or I don't know if that's the right word, but, but people tend to be easily offended by this subject. Um, in other words, any time we start talking about money and, and giving money to God, and, 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 uh, but again, we're not just going to be talking about giving, we're, we're, we're going to talk about giving and receiving. And while the religious minded, traditionally minded uh, people try to separate giving from receiving, God never has and never will. Um, Jesus never taught just on giving. Anytime he taught on giving, he taught on receiving. And, and when you see it in Scripture, from the Old Testament all the way through, you'll see that giving and receiving are forever and eternally linked together by God. I was talking to Brother Donald about this in the kitchen this morning. He said, here's a great way to illustrate this. Everybody breathe in and hold it. At some point, you have to exhale, right? Um, and so you receive, you give, you receive, you give. It's the, it's the natural flow that God has established. Remember, the fruit is in the tree. The fruit is where it's in the tree. The seed is in the fruit that's in the tree. And the tree is in the seed that's in the fruit that's in the tree. This is God, right? This is how God operates. This is how God functions. It's, it's the ways of God. It's, it's the pattern of God. And sadly, people tend to be easily offended by this subject. Some are offended by the giving side. Others are offended by the receiving side. I, I Actually, my experience is people 
are more offended by the receiving than they are the giving. And this is all, of course, uh, the lies and deceptions of the enemy. Now, let me remind you again that an offense is a trap. The word in the Greek language literally means scandalon, which is the bait that sets the trap. So it's Satan who offers us the opportunity to be offended by other people, by certain teachings, doctrines, things of this nature. And as, as it relates to uh, the offense concerning or surrounding giving and receiving, the trap, of course, is the devil trying to keep you trapped uh, in, in a place of lack or need or, or poverty. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw some different words around, but, but again, what we see, this is not just... Don't be offended at this, but we see that God's will, God's desire for His people is abundance. We see it from the old, we see it from the garden all the way through. So anything less than more than enough in your life, Amen. We we need some understanding, some better understanding. Thank you for those few amens. I'm not again. Don't be offended. Well, you don't think that. No, no. Just don't be offended. Just learn. Let God speak to you, okay? Now, here, here is the verse that we refer to uh, uh, when, if and when I teach on these things. It's part of a bigger passage we'll look at in a moment. But Philippians 4 and 17 says this, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I think one of the things that offends people when pastors teach on giving and receiving is that they assume some hidden motive. They assume that, you know, the pastor has, you know, some agenda, uh, you know, he's got some project that he needs more money for or whatever. And, and so people kind of put a guard up because they think that, you know, somehow you're, you're being manipulated or somebody's trying to, you know, talk you out of your money and, 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 and these kinds of things. Listen, anybody that knows me, you know that's not me, okay? And one, one of the reasons why we take the offering up before we teach on these things is because the Bible clearly says that we give as we purpose in our heart to do so. And um, I personally do not think it's uh, biblical to, to try to appeal to and stir people up emotionally uh, and then receive an offering from them. Um, show you sad pictures of, of struggling, suffering people, and these sorts of things. And, and, and Now, others people play that way, and I, again, I'm not judging anybody... I just believe that if we are to give, it's, it's to be done uh, deliberately and intentionally, uh, a decision that we make um, by faith and then follow through on. Um, I, could, I could teach on fasting this morning, not because I'm some brilliant teacher, but I could teach on fasting this morning, and as Matthew said, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, I could awaken and arouse faith in your heart to fast. In other words, I, I, could, I could teach on fasting, and, and, a, and a fair amount of you would go out of here determined, man, I'm, fixing, I'm fasting tomorrow, you know. Um, and, and because that's how the Word of God is, and that's how the Word of God works. Um, but now, of course, following through on that fast and completing that fast requires what? A deliberate, intentional action. It requires endurance on our part, um, and you know, pushing through uh, you know, when we want to quit and give up and so forth and so on. And so in the same way, I don't want to just stir you up about this and then hand you an, an, an offering plate. Um, now, some folks say, well, that, you know, faith by hearing, we need to give by faith, and so we need to hear about it. Yes, okay, but, but if you'll learn and grow and, and, and understand the ways of God as it relates to your money, 
there will be plenty of time uh, in, in the months and years ahead for you to act on it and, 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 and give uh, uh, to God and, as the Bible says, to every good work. So, not that I seek the gifts. That's, I'm not here because I'm trying to get you to give more to the church. As I said last week, I'll say it again. Uh, the church is doing well uh, financially and otherwise, and so we're thankful for that, right? I want to give you a couple more uh, translations of, of Philippians 4.17. This is from the God's Word translation. It's not that I'm looking for a gift. The opposite is true. I'm looking for your resources to increase. Okay? And here it is from the Amplified. Not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. So accumulating, again, see, that's, that's speaking of abundance. That's speaking of more than enough. That means that you've met your obligations for the month and you still have some. Amen? Okay? And, and so that, that is the heart of God um, that, that we see uh, behind what he teaches us about finances and money and the scriptures, and it's, and it's certainly our heart this morning. Um, my, my only agenda in all of this is for you to increase financially. And if you're here and you're doing well and your needs are met and you've got plenty... Um, guess what? It's not just about you. The Bible says, and we'll look at this verse, we're not turning to it, I'm just trying to give a little overview this morning. But the Bible says that he gives you the ability to get wealth so that his covenant can be established in all the earth. So you say, Pastor Mark, are you a prosperity preacher? How, how could I be a preacher of the gospel and not be a prosperity preacher? Amen. Because it's God's will for his people to prosper. But where I think a lot of people, again, are offended by the prosperity message is they do not understand it from the perspective of prosperity for a purpose. Prosperity for a purpose. God wants to prosper you and for you to have plenty and an abundance so that you can then be a blessing to other people. Is that not the pattern that he established with Abraham? I have blessed you and have made you a blessing. God wants to bless you and then he wants to make you a blessing to other people. So think about it for, for a moment before we go any further. Who benefits from the church being poor? Who, who wins if God's people do not have enough to finance God's work in the earth? It's certainly not God. It's Satan who wants God's people broke. Satan is behind every lie, every confusion, every deception uh, that a lot of people quote as Bible verses that are not Bible verses at all uh, when it comes to God's ways of giving and receiving. Now, again, there's a lot of things firing off in my heart and mind. I sat and kind of stared at my computer screen this morning as I have this whole big pile of notes and trying to assemble together the ones that we're going to look at this morning. And so a lot of that's firing off in my, in my heart right now. Um, for instance, have you ever heard this, that money's the root of all evil? That's not what the Bible says. Money is not the root of all evil. Money is money. Um, it's the love of money, the Bible says, that's the root of all evil. And, 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 and what I understand from that and a lot of other verses that speak on this subject, um, God wants you to have money. He does not want money to have you. And, and there's a huge difference in that. That's not just uh, some... Uh, you know, uh, uh, swapping around clever words. There's a big difference between you having money and money having you. So money in an economic world 
means a lot of things, and one of the things that it means is influence. It takes money to preach the gospel to the world. And I've, I guess I've always known that. Um, uh, Pam and I personally, you know, have, have always, you know, supported missions efforts. That's one of the things that we love about our Assemblies of God brothers and sisters. Man, they have an organized missions effort that is absolutely amazing. Um, and, and how they, you know, structure that and the, um, the, you know, the, the targeted approach to people groups that don't have a witness and translating scriptures. And, and it's, it's, again, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. And, and so it's something that I've always been aware of, even from anybody raised Baptist, remember the Lottie Moon uh, uh, missions offerings and things. Yeah, you know, all, all these things, you know, we, um, uh, as a teenager in the Assemblies of God, we participated in something called Speed the Light. And, and Speed the Light was where the, the youth in the Assemblies of God denomination would uh, give and raise money specifically for the purpose of buying uh, material resources for missionaries, uh, vehicles, computers, um, sound systems, uh, you know, the equipment that they need to be more effective in, in, in what they've called to do. And so I've always understood that, it, that these things take money, but I don't think I ever fully understood it until the Lord established uh, this uh, partnership and relationship between Jerry and Marilyn O'Dell and, 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 of course, mine and Pam's hearts and ultimately this family of faith's hearts here. And, you know, when you realize to get to the unreached people of the world, because those are, listen, I have a heart for everybody, um, but there are people, a lot of people on planet Earth who have never heard the name of Jesus a single time, a single time. Um, literally, you talk to somebody about Jesus, and they're like, Jesus who? Now, that's, that's hard for us living here in, in the southern United States where there's a, you know, a, a church on every corner just about, you know, as we say, uh, that there are people who've never heard his name. And so that's what I mean by unreached people, people um, who have never heard a single time. I'm all about reaching people who've heard a dozen times, a thousand times. But to me, to, to get the gospel to the people who have never heard. But guess what? Those people are hard to get to. Those are people who don't have satellite dishes and, and, and cable television networks and, and Internet connections to, to get online and watch a YouTube video. You know, th- these are folks that, that, for the most part, are, live in abject poverty and they're very remote, and they're very difficult, and very challenging to get to. And guess what? It costs a lot of money to get there. And back when we first started uh, working with the Odells, um, a crusade would cost upwards of $30,000. And you think, man, that's a lot of money. Well, maybe so, but if you get 50, 60 to 100,000 people born again who've never heard the gospel, it's, that's cheap, that's peanuts, right? Are you following what I'm saying? Amen. Um, I'll never get Richard Presswood and I, we had a conversation. I said, you know, brother, I said, just when you look at all the statistics that they've kept over the years, you can just about break it down to how much it costs to win, to win a soul to Jesus that's never heard his name. And it's, it's about a dollar. I mean, it's, you know, um, but again, these things cost money. And the, and the devil, because it, so if the church doesn't have the money to do these things, then notice how limited we are. And, and along those lines, I know that a lot of folks say a lot of ridiculous things about, about the United States of America and, and God judging this nation and God's taking his hand off this nation. Listen to me, please, okay? Listen, this nation has its problems. But when you look at evangelizing the world, 
eight out of every $10 that go to winning the lost in other countries comes from the United States of America. So this country is, I mean, I know there's a lot of wickedness and there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of unrest and hatred and all that stuff in this country, but there is a lot of God's people in this country as well who are, are prospering because of this great nation but are recognizing the prosperity that we receive in this, in this country is also for God's purposes so that his covenant might be established in all the earth. Amen? Are you still with me? Okay, I, I spent a little time there. Um, so money in an economic world means influence. It takes money to preach the gospel to the world. Now, here's a verse that I think a lot of people are familiar with, maybe not everyone. Um, it's one, obviously, that, that people love to quote about their finances. And it says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is Philippians 4.19, so obviously it's connected to 4.17 that speaks of giving and receiving. So let's look at the context of all these verses, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 14. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. <clears throat> I'm, I'm feeling a little compelled right here. Um, there was a time when Peter and John, and I know different people have different opinions about this, but a, 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 a lame man, crippled man, asked them for uh, uh, you know, some spare change, and they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you. Okay? Um, and, of course, we see that that man was healed that day. Now, some folks say, and I happen to believe this. You don't have to believe this to go to heaven. But I don't believe that they were, like, saying we're penniless and broke. I just means, I think it means that they left their wallet at home. Um, that they didn't have any money on them. Okay. And, and um, but think about it now. Uh, if, if, if you take the side of the church just beginning, this was, this was, you know, in the early days of the church, fledgling church, just getting started, okay, you might could say, well, you know, we don't even have a, a building to meet in. But no longer can the church say, we ain't got no money, all right? Um, and I'm, listen, I'm not making light of this. I mean, you know, in, in this city alone, you know, there are hundreds of millions of dollars worth of church buildings and facilities and, and things that have been built uh, for and to uh, the purposes of God and the glory of God. And if you think I've got sour grapes about that i do not i think it's a wonderful beautiful thing okay but again if all the money is just spent on making our worship experience better and has no vision for helping someone else i'm, I'm not sure that honors god okay but no longer can we say we ain't got no money amen because we we've got plenty of it it's just where is that money going and that's, you know, again, I hope I'm not betraying any confidence from, from them, but, you know, when you, when you look at other ministries like Jerry, Marilyn, Odell, who, who go to the uh, most difficult, unreached people of this world to reach them with the gospel, um, there's a group of people in Pakistan that are desert nomads that um, the government now, you have to fly under the radar because if you try to share the gospel to certain people groups there, um, I need to be careful here of what I'm saying, but, but let me just say that these people are so remote and so considered nobodies that the government doesn't even care if they go try to get them saved. All right? And, and you and I partnering with Oldell Ministries are reaching these people with the gospel. Okay? So it gets me stirred up now. All right? Um, 
but when you and 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 do you know how much more Odell Ministries could do if they had more money? One of my favorite stories that Brother Jerry tells is a very wealthy man came up to him and said, uh, Brother Jerry, what's your budget? And he's like, well, sir, that's kind of a personal question, but I'm curious why you ask. He says, because I'm going to meet your budget. I'm very wealthy. I'm going to meet your budget. And he says, sir, you can't, meet my, you can't meet my budget. He's like, oh, you don't know how much money I have. He says, you can't meet my, meet my budget because however much money you would choose to give to me, I'm going to use that amount of money to reach people in the world. In other words, it's not like, okay, a billion dollars will do it. If you give him a billion dollars, he's going to spend a billion dollars trying to reach people for Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? So, again, Jesus said it like this. He said, the more people we have working in the harvest, the more of the harvest that's going to be brought into the storehouse. This idea that whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved, whether you do anything or I do anything or not, is, is a lie from the devil. Jesus clearly stated that 10 people working to harvest is going to be much more effective than 2 people working to harvest. And 100 people working to harvest is going to be way more effective than 10 or 2 people working to harvest. How can they go unless they're sent? Amen. Now, none of that was in my notes. That just all kind of spilled out of me. But notice what Paul, Paul had the same concerns uh, and, and issues that Jerry, Marilyn, Odell, and a lot of people have is that no church uh, or very few churches share with them concerning giving and receiving. But in, in this case, the, the church at Philippi was the only church that shared with Paul concerning giving and receiving. He says, For even in Thessalonica you send aid once and again for my necessities, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So that would, and I know this is a little bit odd, but this is a lame maybe even way, but I'm going to share it anyway. It would be like, it would be like the Odells when they, you know, have come here in the past and hopefully will again in the future. It would be like when they come here, some other church somewhere else having to pay their expenses to come here. In other words, if they're going to come here, how many of you know we should be good hosts, right? We should put them up in a nice hotel and provide their food and, and whatever, you know, traveling expenses they may have. And, of course, we've done that every time. But Paul is like, look, I'm in Thessalonica working and helping and ministering there, and the Thessalonians aren't contributing to any need that I have, but yet the church at Philippi is supporting Paul to go minister in Thessalonica. Indeed, I have all in abound. That's Paul's confession. Amen. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now, this is another key point that we will build on in the days ahead but the bible is very clear if you gave money this morning you didn't give it to me you didn't give it even to the church you gave it to god when you give with a right heart the bible says that you give an offering to god and that god receives it amen so in this case these folks were giving money to help Paul, but Paul said their offering was a sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. Now, I'm not trying to get you offended again, uh, but we see in Scripture that God does not accept every offering. Yowza. He didn't accept Cain's, did he? So that means there is a, a, a right heart and a right attitude, uh, motivation, whatever, uh, that's necessary in giving, and we'll talk about that. Uh, it's, don't get too freaked out about it. It's pretty simple, amen? 
But we see their offering was acceptable. It was well-pleasing to God and a sweet-smelling aroma, just like the Old Testament sacrifices were. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So remember we talked about Naaman being the only man and not even an Israelite, being the only man who received healing from his leprosy during the days of Elisha, and the widow of Zarephath living in Sidon, a non-Jewish widow, being the only widow, remember this, the only widow who um, was uh, preserved and sustained by God during that famine, uh, despite many uh, widows in Israel. And, And we said that a lot of times we look at these things as, you know, random and never know what God is going to do and so forth and so on. Um, but notice now when he said, my God shall supply all your need, who, who's he talking to here? He's talking to the Philippians. He's not just randomly saying to anybody who's ever opened the Bible or walked into church, God will supply all of your needs according to his reach. That's not what he's saying. These people did something to be honored by God. They honored God. They honored God with their finances, and because they honored God with their finances, they put themselves in a position to reap a harvest from God. This idea that just, you know, whatever, that's, that's not how this works, not how any of this works. Okay. So giving and receiving are the ways of God. We've already made that point clear. And despite religion's efforts to separate these two from one another, God has eternally connected them. I think we mentioned that already. Now, remember some of the things that we have been covering of late. God honors those who honor Him, and there's no greater honor than trust. This is an overarching life principle that is directly connected to sowing and reaping. God honors those who honor Him. In other words, you sow honor to God, you reap honor from God. This is is at the heart of the ways of God. And then we see in Psalm 103, verse 7, again, just quick review. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Now, God wanted to make his ways known to the children of Israel, but they weren't, they weren't willing. They weren't interested. And for, unfortunately, sadly, a lot of God's people today aren't interested in understanding the ways of God. Instead, they observe the actions of God or what they think, believe to be an act or actions of God and conclude from that, that you know God is random and, and unpredictable and you never know what to expect from Him. You never know what God will do. My friend, these are not compliments. If someone, if one of your coworkers said, well, you know, you never know what time he's going to get here. That's not a compliment. Well, you know, you know they're, they, they're here about every day, but you never know what they're going to do when they're here. See, that, see that's not a compliment. And, 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 and if God is faithful, faithful means trustworthy. Every time you see faithful in the Bible, it could have just as easily been, been, been translated trustworthy. So God always acts according to His ways. If you don't understand His ways, you're not going to understand how He does what He does and why He does what He does. But if you let Him teach you His ways, His ways then become something that you can put into practice in your life. And, and by doing that, you invite God into the process and also into the results that are produced from that process. Now, choosing to do things our way instead of God's way began in the Garden of Eden and continues to confuse and negatively impact us to this day. All the ways of God are designed to teach you to look to Him and trust Him 
but all the ways of man are designed to teach you to look to and trust yourself and the world system. You see how these lines are being drawn here. And what, and what giving and receiving does is, is it exposes where our real trust and honor lies. Are you with me? What giving and receiving does is, you know, because remember, uh, agape means respect, philo means feelings. We can have all these, these feelings for, the, for God, okay, but do we respect Him enough to do things His way? And so all God's ways are designed to teach you to look to Him and to trust Him. But all the ways of man are designed to teach you to look to and trust yourself and the world system. Now, again, giving and receiving, I cannot emphasize that enough, are the ways of God. Now, oh, praise God. How many, how many of you have ever heard this or maybe even said this? You shouldn't give to receive. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? You shouldn't give to receive. You shouldn't give to receive. What if I was to tell you the ways of God are actually give so you can receive? Give so you can receive. Getting quiet up in here. Don't be offended by this. We need to deal with this. Remember what Keith Moore says, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. And this is one of the greatest deceptions surrounding giving and receiving. That somehow we should not give with any expectation of receiving anything in return. And that, my friend, is not God's ways. God's ways are give so you can receive. Now that's not just my opinion. That's not just because I've read too many Kenneth Hagin books. I'm reading the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. How about this one? Proverbs 3. We looked at it last week. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The pattern we see here is honor the Lord with your possessions, so your barns will be filled with plenty. He's telling you to do one thing so you can experience another. He's saying, do this so you can have this. Do this and this is what you will experience. If you don't do this, this is what you will not experience. It's simple cause and effect. And for the record, the word so means for this reason, in order that, to such a great extent. So when he says, honor the Lord with your possessions, he's saying, do it for this reason. Do it so your barns will be filled with plenty. Do it in order that your barns will be filled with plenty. Do it to such a great extent that your barns will overflow with plenty. This idea that we, well, you shouldn't give to receive, that is a lie from the devil. That's like telling a farmer he shouldn't plant expecting to receive any harvest. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We hear that so many times with this foreboding, overbearing. You reap bad things, you're going you're to receive bad things, and God will not be mocked. He will not let you get away with it. Well, guess what? He won't let you get away with giving either. He won't let you get away with giving either. Honoring God with your possessions is a tangible expression of trust. Now, honor, I'm sorry, give, honor God with, with, with uh, your substance so that, okay? So do you see the pattern there? Give so that you can receive. 
Now, I'm going to mention this briefly. There's, we'll come back to it again. And Elijah said to her, this is from the portion of Scripture we've looked at now for the last several weeks, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Do you see the pattern here? Honor God with what you have first, and His promise to you is... What you have will never run out. Do you see give so you can receive? What if this woman had refused to give? What if this woman had refused to honor this man? Would she have still eaten her and her son and the prophet for you know all the rest of the days of the famine from that one uh, little handful of flour and, and tablespoon of oil? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now we're going to get into this, but see you realize that God has made you and me a similar promise. Right? The tithe. The tithe is very similar to this. He says, See if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out upon you a blessing. You do not have room enough to contain you and your household, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Notice now he said, If you'll do this, I'll do this. Do this so I can do this. I want to do this for you, but I can't do this for you if you don't do this for me. You say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. This is the ways of God, the ways of God, the ways of God. I didn't, I didn't make up the ways of God. I'm just trying to tell you what the ways of God are. And God is God, and since He's God, these are His ways. His ways are the ways of honor. He's an eternal community existing in absolute communion. He, he, honor originates from Him. God is all about honor. Honor is very important to Him. If it's important to Him, it needs to be important to you. If you honor Him, He'll honor you. If you don't honor Him, you've tied His hands and prevented Him from honoring you. It, that's the way it works. If it worked some other way, I'd be up here telling you some other way. But that's the way it works. Now, you can argue and fight against it or whatever. I'm sure Adam and Eve thought it was irrational or ridiculous, unreasonable. God, that tree, why can't we have every other tree without that tree? Doesn't make sense to me, God. It doesn't make sense to people to this day. But just like the money you have in your account right now, God gave them something to give to him when he gave them that tree and told them not to touch it. And what we forget is God said, every tree in the garden you can enjoy to full extent, except for that one. What if God had said something like this? <clears throat> Adam, every tree in here is yours. Enjoy it all you want. Three weeks later, God comes in and says, Adam, man, I noticed you really enjoying these trees. You make them look so good and tasty. I was wondering if you would give me one of these trees. I mean, Adam's sitting there. What do you mean God give you one of these trees? Every one of these trees, I wouldn't have a tree to my name if it wasn't for you. Pick you out three of them, fine with me. Do you see the difference there though, right? God said, that one's mine. He gave him something to give. God gives seed to plant. He gives bread to eat. We looked at it last week. Every good thing you have right now came from God, whether you acknowledge that or not that's between you and God but it's the truth it's the reality and everything he gives you is seed and everything he gives you is bread and you decide what you're going to plant and what you're going to eat in Adam and Eve's case he said every tree is here for you to eat except for that one that one's seed you keep giving it to me don't touch it so do you see the pattern God is inviting her to give so she can receive now, nowhere is this more clear 
than from the lips of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. I know I'm out of time, but I can't stop right now, so just stay with me, okay? You still with me? All right. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, he says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So, judging, condemning, forgiving, and giving. What do these four things have in common? You determine the judgment you receive, the condemnation you receive, the mercy you receive or don't receive, the forgiveness you receive or don't receive, and what you receive financially into your life, again, based upon your choices, your actions. Are you seeing this? Now, thank you, Jesus. There's a part of this I got to tell you, okay? Can you just stay with me just a couple of minutes? I know we've still got communion. Amen. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's okay. I promise you there are people in this room who watched more than three hours with football yesterday. Okay. All right. So a 48-minute sermon shouldn't hurt us, okay? Giving by faith is how you receive in God's economy. God's economy. Now, here is the fundamental difference. I'm going to give it to you real quick, and then I'm going to explain it in greater detail next week. But you need to know this, okay, because this really helped me. When the Lord showed it, showed it to me from this perspective, it really helped me, okay? This world's economy is a buying and selling economy. What does that mean? That means when you go to work, you sell your time and talent and ability for a certain dollar amount per hour or if you're on salary per week. So let's say that you find somebody who will pay you $15, $25, whatever it is, an hour. Let's let's get big about it. You find somebody that will pay you $50 an hour for your time. So what are you doing? You're showing up. You're doing what you do for them as unto them. And they're paying you in return $50 for every hour you contribute to their business, whatever. You you with me? That's buying and selling. That's the economy of this world. It's a buying and selling economy. This is the economy that we've been indoctrinated into. This is how we understand economics. So let's say... um, uh, kid goes to college, let's say, uh, um, and we've certainly had that, right? Now, listen to me. I'm, you, hear me out, okay, please. Um, I'm, I am not opposed to work. Anybody that knows me will tell you that. I'm not opposed to work. Um, I, I have worked two jobs most of my life, starting before I was even old enough to legally work, okay? And I guess to some extent, I, I work two jobs to this day, here at the found, here at the church and then um, at the foundry. 
So I'm not, listen, I'm not opposed to work, but don't you think that I am, okay? But see, in a buying and selling economy, if we need more money, we've got to either sell more of our time or sell something we got. So let's have yard sale. Let's, let's, um, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with yard sales. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying, I'm trying to help you understand what we mean by a buying and selling economy. In a buying and selling economy, if you need more money, you've got to sell something to get it. Sell more of your time, more of your stuff, whatever, okay? That's buying and selling. And that's the economy that most people, including God's people, understand. God's economy is not buying and selling. God's economy is sowing and reaping. His economy is not based upon selling something to get more money, selling somebody something that will buy it from you to get more money. His economy is based upon planting seeds. Okay? So the reason so many people have such a problem with you don't give to receive is because they're trying to understand it from a buying and selling mindset. Listen to me very carefully. See, you go and do a favor for somebody. You go and give some of your time to somebody. So I'm talking about time selling it for $50 an hour. So you go, you make $50 an hour as, as, a, as a technician of some kind. Okay. So, but now your friend, your cousin, needs somebody to help them move. And so you go on a Saturday... And for eight hours, you lift furniture and refrigerators and desks and whatever, and you help your cousin move, right? And more than likely, at the end of the day, while you're sitting there eating cold pizza, your cousin's going to say, man, I owe you. See, that's a buying and selling mindset, right? Why are they saying that they owe you? Why are you feeling like, even though you may say, no, you don't owe me anything, but you're sitting there going, I could have made $50 an hour doing whatever it is I do. My time is worth something, right? Okay? See, a buying and selling mentality, there's always a debt associated with it. So we look at giving as a means of putting somebody else in our debt. And we think, well, you know, that's kind of rude to say you owe me or, uh, you know, are you with me? See, we got to learn. I'm fixing to pray. We've got to learn God's ways of giving and receiving from the farmer. Does a farmer look at a seed and go, you owe me? He doesn't see debt. He sees potential. Doesn't see debt. A, see, a sowing and reaping mindset changes it from a debt that's owed to potential released. The farmer doesn't say, you owe me Six ears of corn and you better pay up. No. A farmer looks at this and goes, can you believe what's really inside this little seed? See, that's the ways of God. All the ways of God as they relate to giving and receiving and increase. Listen to me now. Come on, singers and musicians. Come on, please, 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 please. All the ways of God as they relate to giving and receiving. You ready? Watch this now. This is where a lot of people don't understand it. God wants you to increase, but in order to increase, you've got to be willing to decrease. It's increase through decrease. 
It's increase through decrease. See, you'll learn that from a farmer. Farmer takes his best seed. He doesn't pop them in the microwave for popcorn. He takes his best seed, puts them in a very special place on a shelf, and they become the seed for next year's harvest. They're very precious to him, very special to him. He knows that in order to increase, he's going to have to decrease. He's going to have to take from what he has and lower that in order to increase it further later. So, should we give to receive? Come on now, this is hard for a lot of you. Yes, not only should we, this is how we receive. We give to receive. Some of you start, I, I need to go another hour, but we don't have time for it this morning. I know we've got some men that have been designated to help serve uh, communion. i tell you what, guys, you hold steady. I'm going to pray. Father, we've covered a lot of stuff, but we haven't covered half of it this morning. So I thank you, Lord, for helping us. I know it's kind of a hard stop here, Lord, but we certainly want to honor you, that blood that we sang about a few minutes ago, Lord, how precious it is. And and Jesus, this is something that you instructed us to do, and, and, and we're going to do it uh, as unto you this morning. And, and, and we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, um, this, this teaching on giving and receiving is, is so needed, uh, Lord, uh, amongst the body of Christ today. And, and Lord, I know a lot of folks here at Heritage um, have learned these lessons a long time ago. Uh, but Father, I also know that, um, that we can use a refresher, and then also, Father, we can learn more about it, and, and Lord, people watching online, folks that may share this sermon with other people who need to learn about these things, Father, so that, that your people can, can, can be blessed and prosper, and, and Lord, so that your kingdom can grow and, and your name be glorified. And so we thank you for this opportunity and, and for the other rich things that you've already showed us and will show us on this subject in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, I think we've had some brothers that have been asked to help serve communion. If, if you would come. Uh, this morning and help us serve and I think we've got one.